Hello, everyone. This is Sam Biagetti of Historian Splaining. It's been a bit over a month, as you might know, since I've posted new material, and there are various logistical reasons why I've taken that long pause. I've been wanting to get back to producing more lectures for you uh, anyway, even before this global disaster came up on the horizon in the past few weeks. So I want to take a few minutes to talk to my listeners for several reasons. One, firstly, just to let you know that I am safe and healthy. I was away from home for a bit in the past month, but I got back home safely. I am in the rural town where I live, right down the street from a grocery store that is amply stocked and running as usual, thanks to the heroic retail and food service workers there, who I think have emerged as the real crucial heroes of this situation alongside medical personnel. I've gotten some nice messages from a few of my listeners in different places, both here in the U.S. and abroad. And I would really like to know more about how all of you are doing, what you're experiencing, uh, to be aware and to keep our communication open, which is going to, I think, only be more and more important as more of us all around the world are in isolation. So please tell me if you're at home, what you're doing, about your friends and loved ones, I have several friends and acquaintances who have already had this illness or have it now. They're all okay except for one who's a distant relative with whom I have a friendly relationship who is in the hospital but is reportedly starting to get better. I am not a clergy person. I can't give you spiritual advice. I'm not a therapist and I'm not an epidemiologist. So I'll just say the rudimentary understanding that I have, what we're watching unfold, and how to put it in whatever perspective I have. So this COVID-19 illness is caused by a particular form of coronavirus, as I'm sure you've all heard many times. So it's the same type of virus that causes SARS and MERS and other illnesses that have broken out in recent years. It's also the same type of virus that usually just causes the common cold. So it's obviously a bit more dangerous and more harmful than the common cold. Uh, it can be deadly for some people, especially who have other health problems or for older people. It can also be dangerous for young and healthy people, so nobody is entirely safe. But it's not as deadly as SARS or MERS or other illnesses like that. It's not as deadly as, say, the bubonic plague, when, which can be 50% uh, you know, or more lethal when it's not treated, as it was not before the invention of antibiotics. The difference with this particular strain is that it's highly, highly contagious. So what we have to do is just try to slow down the spread and keep it from completely flooding our healthcare system. If anyone needs any clarity, I won't get into any gory details, but if anyone needs any illustration 
of what can happen and what people will have to deal with if it does spread unchecked and overwhelm healthcare. Look at Italy. It is completely possible that here in the United States we'll experience something a lot like what Italy is facing right now. Uh, Surely there will be many casualties. There will be a lot of suffering and loss. That is simply a fact. It's just a matter of how much we manage to minimize it over the matter of the next few weeks and months, or maybe the next few years. So different people are responding to this in drastically different ways. Some have been pretty nonchalant and tried to go about business as usual. Others have reacted in the opposite way and hoarded up huge piles of supplies that they don't and probably won't really need uh, and report experiencing all kinds of anxiety, uh, loss of sleep. I think that either of these reactions at either extreme is a bit misguided. And in my opinion, I think that they are both rooted in a kind of attachment to normalcy and routine. On the one hand, you might go into denial and pretend that everything simply is normal. And at the other end, when you notice something like stock of certain items running low on your supermarket shelves, you might go into a kind of panic. And that reaction isn't necessary, I think, because as far as I can see, and as far as anyone can see, our basic supply chains for things like food or paper products are not in trouble. Things can function as normal. The utilities will keep going, transport, the farms will continue to produce food. All of this apparently will be okay for the foreseeable future. The one part of our infrastructure that really is in danger and may not be able to handle what's coming is hospital ICUs. That is the limiting factor that we actually have to be concerned about. Now, what does this matter, this attachment to normalcy? How should we react when we see our ordinary grocery store with empty shelves, no more, say, rubbing alcohol or no more toilet paper, as the case may be? Well, I think we have to realize that normalcy wasn't really normal either. In fact, disasters are normal. Disasters have always happened and always can happen. There's something that humankind has faced and weathered many, many times over for millennia. And they continue to happen in modern times. Sometimes they take the form of wars. But in fact, wars are not really the most destructive crises that we face. Sometimes there are disease outbreaks like Spanish flu that followed on the heels of World War I and that actually in the United States killed more people than the war itself did. And it seems possible that this COVID-19 pandemic may be roughly comparable in terms of orders of magnitude to that Spanish flu pandemic of 1918 and 19. And maybe later I might post a lecture about that once I've done some research. I did a Twitter poll 
about whether I should do that or continue with what I was planning on the 1619 project. And the poll came out exactly 50-50. So if anyone still wants to weigh in on that, which one I should do next, please do. But I expect eventually I'll do one about the Spanish flu. Sometimes they are disasters that do destroy our infrastructure, like earthquakes, volcanic eruptions, massive floods. And those sort of weather disasters are likely to only continue or escalate in coming years. And those can actually undermine the sort of material foundations of civilization in a much more direct way than this particular disease pandemic seems capable of doing. So really, disasters are normal. They're part of our human experience, and they're part of our human makeup to face them and cope with them as best we can. That's not to say that there won't be great loss, economic loss, loss of time and opportunity, and loss of lives, and that those losses can never be recouped. But nonetheless, we will move on as we have so many times before. Now, when I listen to people, for example, other podcasters who talk about their anxiety and worry as they see the situation developing, they voice a fear that people are in some way going to descend into barbarism, that our worst instincts, our selfishness, our willingness to harm or sacrifice others for our own survival will come out and that, in a sense, civilization will break down. Well, there are many reasons why I don't see it this way. In my last lecture that I posted about six weeks ago, I discussed the breakdown of the Roman Empire and the transition into the early Middle Ages, or the so-called Dark Age. And I called that lecture Back to the Dark Age as a sort of tongue-in-cheek double entendre. On the one hand, I was going back to a historical subject that I had briefly discussed before and looking at it in more depth. But at the same time, I was referring to people's common sort of fears that our civilization today may be on the brink and that we may be headed back towards, in a sense, another dark age, in quotation marks. And one of the points I wanted to make with that lecture, which has turned out to be far more topical than I anticipated even a few weeks ago, was this fear of descent into chaos and the notion that social breakdown or, or crisis means violence and it means people's worst instincts coming to the fore. When in fact, that is not what happens in disasters. It's not what happened in the breakdown of the Roman Empire. Historians debate exactly how the Western Roman Empire broke up, and some argue that it was more catastrophic than others do. But it certainly was a long and gradual process that involved adjustment and realignment more than it did simply random violence. It was not a matter of bloodthirsty savages from the north riding in and whopping everyone on the head, even though that's the way it may look in certain paintings. That is not, in fact, how it happened. And part of the point I wanted to make was that 
When crises happen, whether they're gradual and political, like the breakdown of the Western Empire, or sudden, people, in fact, react the opposite way. They tend to pull together, they help one another, and they find ways of creating order and of surviving. And we've probably all seen trite articles and human interest stories about heroic people going out in the aftermath of a tsunami or or a, a fire and checking on their neighbors, bringing food, creating shelters. But really, those stories, as fluffy as they may seem, they do really illustrate how people tend to respond in crises. People become better when they're called upon. They become as courageous, as compassionate as they can be much more so than they might be in everyday life when they are being told that everyone around them is fine and they only have to take care of themselves. So this is why I am not worried about other people and how they're going to face this crisis as neighbors and as friends and as relations. I have confidence in people in that particular context. And when we see disasters that happened and unfolded far worse than they had to be, it's usually because of institutional failure, not because of failure in human nature. We all have images in our heads that can be easily called to mind from disaster movies or zombie movies or, you know, post-apocalyptic Mad Max, World War Z hellscapes of people turning against each other, of bands of mindless, bloodthirsty marauders preying upon the weak. And certainly things like that can happen from time to time in history, but they are not the general pattern, and they are not reflective of how most people behave. And in fact, I think that we are attracted to these sorts of disaster movies and Uh, zombie apocalypse TV shows because they make us think about how we would cope with challenges that we've never had to face, problems and dangers that we feel insulated from, and we want to exercise that part of our minds in much the same way that we're attracted to difficult games because they force us to work through challenges that aren't part of our everyday lives. But that's precisely why they're appealing. They're fantasies. They do not actually draw from the reality of how people behave in disaster situations. And I think that these media, whether they mean to or not, these disaster and monster movies, these you know sci-fi horror shows, they play into a sort of ongoing message that we get from mass media. This message that... Each of us is weak and vulnerable, and that we have to fortify ourselves against other people. We have to be afraid that we are weak, and that we are deficient, that we cannot meet the challenges of the day, and that others won't help us. And I think that often that feeling of weakness and even paranoia is cultivated so that then we can be told that we have to assuage that feeling of weakness and vulnerability by buying stuff. It is stuff that we can purchase 
that makes up for our deficiencies. And so it's not surprising that when we see an extraordinary new situation coming upon us, that some of us at least would rush to the nearest store and clear out shelves, thinking that that's going to somehow protect us. But that is not going to protect us. It's our own resilience, our own strength, and turning to other people, helping others and asking for help that is actually going to make survival possible. I don't want to just pontificate. Obviously, as I said, I'm not a guru. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a pastor or a rabbi. I'm just a historian just saying what I see. But I think we should remember that even if this pandemic does rage out of control for some period of time and we suffer severe losses. There will be a lot to mourn, but at the same time, we shouldn't simply long for a return to normalcy. Right? There is really no normalcy. Normal is an illusion. Societies can have periods of relative prosperity and peace, but they're usually not really as prosperous or as peaceful as they seem. Even at the height of the Pax Romana, the empire was violently waging war against various peoples around its borders. It was exploiting slaves and suppressing slave rebellions. Normal is usually just a veneer over the actual struggle and sacrifice and suffering that always goes on in human life. And if I talk about my own country today, I know that probably many people are going to suffer from this disease and not get the treatment that they need in large numbers, and that's upsetting. But if I look back to what was normal just a few months ago, there were already thousands of people suffering and not getting treatment. For what reason? Because they were unemployed. For whatever reason, they didn't have insurance. They didn't have a safety net in their family or from their country either. There were people dying because they couldn't afford insulin, a material that is easy and cheap to produce, but the manufacturers of which simply decided to gouge people to the point that many would die. A young man not long ago died because he was rationing his own insulin in order to save money for his wedding and then died before his wedding day. That is normalcy, at least in my country. So we might say, well, we're afraid of civilization falling into barbarism. But isn't the civilization that already existed before barbaric in its way? Isn't normalcy barbaric? And so the question isn't just should we long to go back to what seemed to be normal six months ago or five years ago? The question is, what do we want to do and how do we want to live after we've coped with this particular disaster? So if anyone is feeling anxiety, that's completely understandable. And if people are upset or afraid in coming weeks and months, That is completely fine. But what's going, I think, to make people feel better 
again, is not the return to a false front of normalcy. Rather, it's looking into your own strength. Each of us is stronger, I think, than we know, and we're also strong together when we look to each other. And probably, (laughs) it may sound a bit ironic, considering I'm a podcaster and I'm speaking to you via the internet right now, but I have often complained about the internet and about how it messes with our minds and how it distorts our thinking, our relationships. Well, I have to acknowledge that the internet is really changing this experience, and probably a lot of us are going to feel fear seeing and hearing things through the internet that we don't need to, that can't help us. But we also are going to have a lot more information. We're already communicating a lot faster about this situation than was ever conceivable a hundred years ago. And maybe if I get to discuss the Spanish flu, I'll talk about how people were so in the dark about that disaster because governments during wartime simply didn't want information to be shared. They saw the entire world as enemies who shouldn't know about what is going on within their own borders. Well, that is not only politically expedient today, it's really practically impossible. And this massive, powerful tool of the internet is available to most of us. And we're going to have to use it as best we can. And we're going to have to use it to call upon one another for help, for knowledge, and to strengthen each other. Because many of us can't do it in person. I, it is not safe for me to go and knock on all of my neighbor's doors and speak to them directly. So we're going to have to make the best use of this tool that we have now that we did not in the past. We're going to have to be the best that we've ever been. There's just no other option. So I don't know if any of these thoughts or reflections are helpful to anyone. Please let me know what you're thinking. And hopefully I'll have more material for all of you soon. Thank you.